Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy. We are in the book of Philippians, so I'll give you some time to get there. We're going to be getting through the end of chapter 2, but excited about next week as well. We're going to have some fun stuff. And the reason it's a great Sunday next week is because it marks 18 years that I've been married to my awesome bride. Yes, February 12th is our anniversary. So thank you, babe, for everything you do. Happy anniversary. We'll be here next week. (laughs) It's very romantic. (laughs) Awesome. Um, This message is called Be the One. This message is called Be the One. And so as we walk through Philippians, there's a couple questions that I want you to be mindful of. Number one, here's the questions that we're going to ask. What causes me to lose sight of the things that matter most? What causes me to lose sight of the things that matter most? Also, who is worthy of honor? We hear some interesting insights in the last part of this chapter of Philippians, so we'll talk about that. I also have a couple multiple choice questions along the way, and don't worry, you're all registered to vote, so you guys can participate with that. So let's pray, and we'll, uh, we'll start at verse 19. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, um, for just the joy of family, the joy of being in your house. Um, God, I pray that you would just open our ears to really hearing from you, Holy Spirit. Um, that if there's correction that needs to be done, if there's encouragement, God, I just pray for you to speak to us as we walk through your scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. It'll be up on the screen today. It starts with verse 19. If the Lord is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you all soon for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. I have no one like Timothy. Say no one. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. Some translations say, I I have no one like-minded. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. That one word, um, an idea of no one, that kind of of popped up um, as I was reading this. And I thought, you know what, I think we all can relate to that a little bit. To where we feel lonely at times. And we feel like, man, I only have like one person that really gets me. I only have one person that I can really be real with. Maybe, you, maybe you're lucky and you maybe have two or three or even four close friends or people or family in your life that you really can be real and vulnerable, who you're going to be there for them and they're going to be there for you. I think even for more than we'd like to admit, there's a lot of people here that says, you know what? I don't have one. I have no one. And that's a reality here. And I think that's why the body of Christ is so important, um, that we can be that for each other. Uh, but it's hard. It's hard to go through and just have just a few people who are like-minded. And I think that's what Paul's saying. He says, I have no one like Timothy. Like he is on point with we. We're on the same page. We're working together for the, for the mission of Christ and to share his message. Um, and God really loves like-mindedness. He loves unity. Like-mindedness is the heart 
for God's church. Um, JP talked about the Super Bowl. I think we um, know that, you know, we see parts of people coming together and unifying, no matter where they're from, where they're raised, how they were raised, they all come together and they unify and they say, you know what? We are in it for our team to win. And I, 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 I saw this, um, this picture of fans and I thought, you know what? These fans are all unified. They are going for the Chiefs' victory. We got, we got some hardcore Chiefs fans in the house. Give it up for the Capels, Tony and Jen. Yeah. I think, we can, I think I could just speak for all of Streams Church that we are unified, that we want Kansas City Chiefs to win. Yeah! Oh, I don't know. Maybe you're Eagles fans. Who's Eagles fans? Do we have any Eagles fans? Oh, now I made it embarrassing. You won't even be truthful and real. You're like, this is not a safe place to be an Eagles fan. Not a safe place. If you're an Eagles fan, you are welcome here. <laughs> oh, goodness. A couple weeks ago, I talked about what Paul shared in chapter 1 of Philippians. And he's talking to this church and he's saying, hey, make me happy. Here's the way that you can really make me happy. Maybe you missed it, but here's a little multiple choice question for you. Did Paul say, hey, church, you can really make me happy by saying, A, agree with each other, love one another, and work together? Or is it B, be full of joy, look toward heaven, be kind? Or is it C, read the scriptures, encourage others, and attend church? Who says A? A couple A's. Who says B? You're still thinking. Uh, who says B? Okay, who says C? You know what? All these things are really good. A lot of people did not vote. A lot of people did not vote. A lot of people didn't vote. Uh, actually, it was A. It was A. And this is a tall order. Like, if Paul were to say this to us, as a, a prophet to God, say, you know what? Streams Church, I tell you what, it is my heart that you would just agree with each other, that you would work together, that you would love one another. Like, that is a tall order. But what makes that possible is us unifying with Christ. With us saying, you know what, less of me, more of him. We can, we can disagree on how a job can get done, or I think we should do it this way. I think we should pick this color carpet. It was, it was really funny. It was hilarious. If you were here last week, Isaac did a great job about not complaining. And then somebody linked it up like, hold on, you guys are getting new carpet, and then you pound us with not complaining. So I'm like, actually, that... We didn't think that you were going to complain about the color of the carpet we chose. But actually, that kind of works. Yeah, please don't complain about the color of the carpet that we chose. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Um, anyhow, Paul says, hey, work together. Come together. And it is, it is hard when, when, you, when you are lonely, when you see, like, our culture slipping in ways that you don't want the culture to slip to. I remember talking to my grandma, and she just had a heart for America. She had a heart, and she was also grieved a lot by seeing the sin and the damage and the destruction. And she would just tell me, man, I, I remember going to church, and everybody went to church. I remember this Christian-type nation and culture, and I don't see that like I see it now. And I've been heartbroken. I mean, there's been so many shootings and so, so many dark, dark things that have happened already this year. And I think to myself, Lord, what, what is it that we can do? 
And I think that's where the challenge comes in is there is a solution and it's Jesus. And we can be the one. We are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so we can say, you know what? We can be the one. I can be the one that can pray. I can be the one that can love my neighbors, that can care for the lost, that can mourn with those who are mourning. I can be the one that says yes to God no matter what that looks like. Timothy was that person. He said, you know what? I, I am willing, Lord. I am willing, God. And put Paul in his life. He was the one to Paul. And when you think about a lot of times you, you look at the, the scriptures and you see Paul wrote most of the New Testament and you think, wow, he had such an amazing ministry. But I contend that Paul's ministry would not be what it was without Timothy. Timothy was so influ- influential to Paul. And I really, I think I identify a lot with, with Timothy just encouraging those and, you know, keep going, keep going. But Paul had some really dark days. And I imagine that Timothy's encouragement meant the world. But there was a point where Timothy said, you know, I have to, I have to kind of say goodbye to my aspirations or my dreams. God's put this man in my life and I'm going to follow him. And he had to give up maybe certain things that he thought his life was going to look like. But he said yes to Jesus. And he says, I want to be the one. And he followed in Paul's footsteps and they traveled together, they suffered together, they saw miracles done. He prayed, he read scripture, and God really elevated Timothy to a wonderful place. As a matter of fact, his name means honored by God. Honored by God. That's, that's a great title. I think about, sometimes I dream about going to heaven. Do you, do you ever dream about going to heaven? And you're like, I am so excited to meet this person or this lady. Like you, you kind of feel like you get to know him in scripture. Timothy is one of the people that I am most excited about meeting. Like he was there at the birth of the church and really he had a lot to do with the success of Paul's ministry. And I think, man, that is awesome. That is awesome. Being the one is really um, a great target to say, you know what, I wanna be like Christ. I know I'm not there. I know I just started. I know I make a lot of bad choices, but I want to go that direction. I was at a conference um, this month, and one of the speakers said this, and it just resonated so much. And I'll probably speak about it here in the future, but he said this declaration. He said, a great passion for the great commandment and the great commission will make a great life. I'll say it again. I'll say it again. And I think about, man, Paul, Timothy, these people were committed. They had a great passion for the great commandment. And the great commission will make a great life. Amen. Amen. We need Timothys in our life. We need to be Timothys to others, and we need Timothys in our life. And that's why I I just am encouraged that, you know what? There takes a sacrifice to say, you know, on Sunday, I'm going to get up, I'm going to come to church, and I'm going to put myself in a position where I can worship. I'm going to put myself in a position where God can speak to me. And we have fellowship, and we can encourage each other. You may be used as a Timothy in somebody's life. 
You may say something or have a chance to pray with somebody, and it will be the encouragement that they need to get through the week that they just had. We are those people. We are the family of God. Verse 21 says, All others care for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. Paul's saying, you know what, there's so few quote-unquote ones that are sold out for Jesus because they only think about themselves. They only think about themselves. There's a lot of distractions (laughs) in our lives, right? Don't mind the phone, just pay attention to me. But there's a lot of distractions in our life. And right now, you're even uncomfortable with the distraction of the phone ringing. But actually, it's just a prop. I set it all up, guys. I set it all up. You walked right into it. Perfect timing. Thanks, Tim. Good job. Good job. But phone ringing, emails beeping, texts coming through, the news, all this stuff. It's just a bunch of noise. Right? We have to, I, I, think, I think about what in American culture really we have to fight against. And that is living for ourselves and living in distractions. We might not like make a choice of, I'm just going to be selfish. I'm just going to live for myself. I'm going to get a big portfolio. I'm going to have a great life. But if we don't choose not to do that, it's like that's the flow of the water, Right? I remember my first trip to Africa. I went on a mission trip, and I ran into this missionary who was American, but he grew up in Africa. And I was so interested to talk to him, and I said, did you have a chance to go to America? And he's like, yeah. I think it was maybe junior high or teens. He spent a couple years there. And it was in Africa that I was having this conversation. And I says, don't you miss America? Like, wasn't it great? I'm so sorry you're stuck here in Africa. Like, that's my train of thought. Like, and he said this, and he was still, you know, like maybe in his 20s or so. He says, I missed Africa so much. I says, what? (laughs) I've been there, and I'm I'm not too impressed. I'd rather be in America. And I says, well, tell me about that. And he says, you know what? There's so much times living here that you just, you can leave 15, 20 minutes, and it's silent. And you can just be in nature. And everything's quiet, and I can hear God's voice. But over there, like, yeah, the restaurants and entertainment, but there's so much bombardment that it's hard to, my my relationship with Christ suffered. So he says, I like it here. And I thought, wow, that is amazing. And I think that if there's one danger that our culture has, it's just so much. C.S. Lewis wrote this. I mean, he, he talked a lot about it, but he kind of said that, you know what, the enemy wants to create so much noise that people will not be able to hear the voice of God. Wow. Think about that. That that the devil hates silence. He hates when your soul is not distracted by some type of TV show or things or thoughts, but when you're just silent and you feel the heaviness of your soul or the sadness or the grief. He doesn't want that. He wants you to be always distracted. Um, I think about the prophet in 1 Kings 19. 
It was the still, small voice that God spoke. It was in that space that God spoke. And this is a big deal. I was reminded of the parable that Jesus gave in Matthew 13. And a lot of us are familiar with this, where the seed represents the message of God, the message of Christ, and it hits different soils. And he talked about four different soils. The soils represent our heart. In verse 22, it says, The seed falling among the thorns refers to somebody who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word and making it unfruitful. If you're flooded with the deceitfulness of wealth and the worries of life, the truth of God's message will not bear fruit. Ouch. That is kind of, unfortunately, if we're honest, a picture of our society. We're so worried about our our life maintaining. We're worried about all these things. And don't get me wrong, I, I don't think the internet's evil. I have a smartphone. I have social media. But I wonder if if we can be challenged, if we can just have self-discipline to shut it down every now and again. What if we just turned our phone to airplane one day a month? <laughs> You're like, I can't do that. I can't do that because of this. This is like do you like back in the 80s there was no such thing as cell phones. So this emergency that I might miss if my phone shut off. I don't know that the level of emergencies have tripled in 2020 versus when we didn't have phones. But just shut it off. And then at the right time, you can turn it on and check your messages, text your te- check your texts. But we have to be committed to being and finding and making space to where we can be still, where God can speak to us. And even if it's just shutting the radio off and you're driving, have that time with the Lord and just share your heart. And you know what? There's no judgment. I know that there's mothers with toddlers, and there's no airplane mode for your child. (laughs) This sounds great, Pastor. How do I do this? (laughs) I'm sorry. I have no answer. You're you're in a season. I'm sorry. (laughs) But, you know, we are... In a culture where um, there, there was this research with, that Reeves put out that we check our phones on average of 344 times a day. That's every four minutes we have a habit of checking our phone, checking our phone. Um, CEO of Netflix said something that kind of got him in a little hot water. He says, my competition is not Amazon or YouTube or traditional broadcasters. You know what he said, Amazon's? competition is our need for sleep (laughs) our need for sleep he says you know think about it when you watch a show from Netflix you get so addicted to it that you stay up late at night that's bad (laughs) that's bad so to be the one to be the one to say you know what I do want to put Christ first I do want to follow the great commandment of loving God first we need to sometimes silence the distractions that matter to where we can hear the voice of God. Amen? Okay, here we go. Verse 22. But you know how Timothy has proved himself. Like a son with his father, he has served me in preaching the good news. I hope to send him to you just as soon as I find out what's going to happen to me here. 
So again, the scene is um, Paul starts this church in Philippi. The church find out, finds out that he's in Rome in prison, so they send Ephroditus to send him some funds. They took a collection of funds, and they deliver it, and they tell him what's going on in, in Philippi, and they want to get a report. Verse 24, and so I have confidence from the Lord that I myself will come to see you soon. Meanwhile, I thought I should send Ephroditus back to you. He is a true brother, a co-worker, and fellow soldier, and he was your messenger to help me in my need. So who was this guy, Ephroditus? Um, he was a person of that church who just kind of volunteered and says, hey, I'll take that message. I'll take those funds to Paul. And so Paul is saying, hey, look, I want to I wanna write the church a letter, and he wrote the the letter of Philip, uh, Philippians to send back to the church. And he's saying, hey, as soon as I know what's going on with my life, with this legal situation, I want to send Timothy back too to give you a report. So here, Ephroditus, he um, signs up for this mission. So next multiple choice question, the last one of the day. What happened to him? Did he, A, God gave him an amazing vision he got to see the wonder of heaven. B, he was blessed and received a large amount of money. C, he got sick and almost died. Or D, God changed his name because Ephroditus is really hard to say. Okay, <laughs> who says A? Okay, y'all are really nervous about voting. Who says B? Who says C? A lot of C's. Who said D? Okay, it was C. It was C, yes. He almost died. No, no, not that. Verse 26, I'm sending him Ephroditus because he has um, been longing to see you and he was very distressed that you heard he was ill. And he was certainly ill. In fact, he almost died. But God had mercy on him and also on me so that I would not have one sorrow after another. So I am all the more anxious to send him back to you. Welcome him in the Lord's love and with great joy and give him honor that people like him deserve. For he risked his life for the work of Christ and he was at the point of death while doing for me, get this, what you couldn't do from far away. I liked how he said what you couldn't do from far away. They did participate in encouraging they did give of themselves. It was Ephroditus that went. But this is a reminder that if you are sold out for Christ, if you are the one, that doesn't mean that you won't suffer sickness. It won't mean that you'll get to the point where you're just like, I am to that point of death. It's not what we want to hear. We like, oh, he got this awesome amount of money. But that wasn't the case with him. And the scriptures say, hey, look, if you follow me, you will have top trials and tribulations. But I want to say, more than anything that you can invest your life in, you will never regret living for Jesus. You will not regret it. It is the best life that you could possibly have. And Paul ends this portion with talking about honor. And he tells, here's the people that we should honor. I think American culture honors really intelligent people or smart people or amazing athletes, famous people, people that can act. 
the culture really honors these people. But Ephroditus, he chose to volunteer to deliver a letter. <laughs> he did something in his capacity. You don't have to be super amazing. Verse 29, he says, Welcome him to the Lord's, in, well, excuse me, welcome him in the Lord's love and with great joy and give him honor that people like him deserve, for he risked his life for the work of the Lord, and he was to the point of death while doing for me what you couldn't do far away. And I just want to take a minute as we kind of wrap this message up, and I want to honor people because I see so many, quote, the ones part of this church you guys bless me like you really live out your faith you come in week after week and you give and I know that your job is not hard excuse me your job is not easy I know you're going through challenges I know that there's some real struggles and still you're like I want to make a space where I can come and fellowship and I love that I want to honor those people who say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work in the schools. I'm going to teach. There, there's people that work that just have very difficult students that they engage with. And they say, you know what, Sean, this is not just a job. This is a ministry. This is an opportunity. And so I just want to honor you. Not only do you pour into those kids' lives, but you make an influence in the family. You make an influence in our community in such big ways. Thank you. I know that you're not doing it for the huge, big paycheck that comes along with that job. Sally, you laughed a little too hard right there. I honor you, Sally. <laughs> I want to honor the people who come on Fridays. On Fridays, we now, in the ministry center, we open up Alcoholics Anonymous. And there's people that come to fight and to live in a sobriety state. And they follow the 12-step. I honor those people. We have now Al, um, Alalon, excuse me, Alanon, I'm not, that one. I honor that. I'm happy that you're here. I, it doesn't matter if I can pronounce it right. But this is a group of people who, loved ones and family who are dealing with alcoholism, they can come and meet and be encouraged. I honor that. I honor out the people who volunteer to help run Mozart and providing a safe, wonderful, positive, encouraging place for our teens to come. That's awesome. We get to have them right here on our campus. I honor so many of you guys who volunteer and serve in the kids' ministry. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, seriously, you say, you know what, I can, I can let go of one service a month. I can deal with the kids. They... I, maybe I, I'm, I feel like I'm out of my comfort zone in that regard, but I can get down and I can hang out with them and I can, you know, share some scripture with them. Thank you for that. Because you get to know them and you pray for them throughout the week and you provide a place for their moms and dads to come in here and know that they're safe where they can just kind of tune out and put their attention on God. Thank you for that. I love seeing the youth volunteers. Man, they're committed. Every Sunday night they're here. They're ministering to our teens, working with them. I, there's people that have taken off time from work or vacations to go to youth camp. The beds at youth camp are not very comfortable. <laughs> Believe me, when they come home from that vacation, they need a vacation. But they are doing it because they're like, I want to be the one for this kid. 
I want to be the one for this ministry. So thank you. People who work tirelessly in setting up small groups and they do it so faithfully. There's a small group study, Bible study on Sunday morning and Paul's doing one at night and then Wednesday and Tuesday. There's people that do these things. Thank you for this. The worship team. Did you know the worship team comes every Thursday night? They'll spend hours in just rehearsing the set and they are the group that gets here in the beginning of the day. They, they open up the doors. Thank you, Ryan. Shout out to you guys. They open up the gate and they want to do well with the talent so that you guys can worship God. That is awesome. Thank you, worship team, for that. And then we have so many people outside of streams. People who say, you know what, I'm gonna volunteer at the prison. And every week they make a visit and engage in lives there. Foster care programs loving our foster kids and being engaged in that world. Food Bank and Choices Pregnancy Center and all the different ways where we get to minister and be Jesus to this community. Thank you. I honor that. And then lastly, foreign missions. You know, we, we want to pray and we want to encourage them, but it's your giving that helps us support their lives over there. And we have great contacts in South Africa and Thailand and Ukraine, Ecuador, all these different places. So thank you, and we honor them as well. And so the, the, the worship team can come up as we close. But I just want to, I just want to again say, you don't have to be on the mission field overseas to be the one. Being the one might look a little bit more simple than you think. Just for Ephroditus, it was delivering the letter. It might be somebody right now that God's putting on your heart to say, you know what, you need to text this person or call them or write them a letter, encourage this person. Because I think reality is, it's very easy to see people struggling and people having a difficult time. And we can relate to that. God's given you hardships that have expanded your capacity to have great empathy towards people going through what you've gone through. And you can be the one. You can encourage them and love them. And so I challenge you, what are distractions? Is it silence? Is it a need for a quiet place? What's distractions that's blocking you from your family? Those who are most important in your life. As we sing this song, this is really a chance for you just to process the message to say, okay, I need to make some corrections or Lord, would you help this person? So as we, as we just have this last song of worship, I want to encourage you, whatever the Lord's speaking to you, this is the time to hear.